Hey there. I don't think I've seen your face around here before. Welcome to the Blustery Brew. The first round is always on the city here, as a thanks from the people for all that hard work you do. Let me get you something with a bit of a punch to it. The bar here is fair game, but we do have regulars who might ask you to scoot with a bit of force if they need to. You see that booth back there? Don't sit there. That one is reserved for Shax whenever he comes by. Don't try to talk to him if you see him. Trust me, this is his own personal time and he does not fancy interruptions. We have pool and darts and the like, but if you're looking for some rough and tumble time, head to the back. We have some punching bags and people willing to punch you if you're up for a fight. Make sure you don't damage any property though. We have some fantastic antique marks hanging up around here. Ah, and of course we got a jukebox if you're just wanting to reminisce and listen to some golden age hits. Welcome to the Hangar Lounge. My name's Maria Hunter B. Yo, what's up? It's Kelly, your warlock. And hi, I'm special guest Josh, the one and few titan. What the fuck? Who are you? Who is this? What did you do with Eric? Where's Eric? Where's my hunter friend? (laughs) Just kidding. We killed him so we could have a titan on our show. Everyone, welcome Josh. (laughs) Hi. Can't believe Eric's dead. Yeah, we killed Eric, but no, what really happened is Eric is away on business this week, and we've gotten multiple requests from people to focus more on Titans, because we do have a warlock and two hunters as our hosts, so this week we've invited the lovely Josh, who's going to be our official hunter. Hunter? Titan? What the fuck am I talking about? (laughs) must be a hunter. I'm not. He's going to be our official Titan. I'm going to say this right now because my brother listens to this podcast. He's going to be hella pissed that we invited Josh because he's been bugging me. I love you, bro. I don't know why I didn't think about it, but I love you, hearts. (laughs) Wherever you are, brother, you're doing a great job, but this is the Titan we have right now. Real quick before we dive into whatever it is we're gonna talk about on this crazy episode today we've got some (laughs) brief destiny news let's start with that let's recap some news that happened so lots of stuff (laughs) has been happening since our last episode or since we last recorded the biggest ones that stand out to me are that Destiny and Activision want to release a new healthy combination for us gamers out there. Uh, they want us to really drink Rockstar Energy drinks and eat Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Yum! <Well>. For <laughs> double X or for bonus XP. So I guess if you want to do that. So I've never know. had Rockstar Energy drinks drinks before (laughs) can i can you uh take me on a journey like a a verbal taste bud journey like what does destiny rockstar energy taste like so you know how like energy drinks are mainly just sugar to give you that boost of energy unfortunately yes yeah so rockstar energy drinks are what happens if you just forget 
making it into a liquid and just pour sugar inside a can. Like, it's mm. so sweet. It's too sweet. 31 grams of sugar? God. 31 oh. grams of sugar? Yeah. In a 16-ounce can. Okay, so I talked about this a little bit on my Twitter, but when they announced a partnership with Pop-Tarts, I was really excited because I was like, all right, here we go. Traveler-shaped Pop-Tarts. Frosting shaders. (laughs) I was imagining like a Titan chest plate that was made out of strawberry Pop-Tarts. Like that. That really great fan art of the Pop-Tart ghost. Yes! Yes! Pop-Tart ghost. And then it was just like, you're getting bonus XP. And then all of my dreams were crushed. The images of me waking up in the morning, springing out of bed and putting my traveler-shaped Pop-Tarts in the toaster and having them pop out and me running out of the house like an anime girl with one in my mouth (laughs) were shattered in an instant and I was really sad. I would have really appreciated it if Pop-Tarts did, like, actual Destiny designs. They have, like, Destiny-themed packaging, but the actual Pop-Tart themselves are just, like, regular Pop-Tarts. I want that round, that beautiful round boy the light boy as a pop tart <laughs> well given the events of destiny 2 we would probably have to break in half oh shoot yeah. i would say in destiny 2 the traveler does get lightly toasted <laughs> <laughs> oh my god hire us pop tarts hire us <laughs> i'm That's here genius. if you need me pop tarts yeah, so. I really don't care about this at all. And I mean, I love Pop-Tarts. Okay, Wildberry Pop-Tarts is a thing. Oh. Bungie, yes. looking out for a Wildberry shader, how yeah. awful would that be? You mean Jester Apogee? <laughs> yeah, that it is, would be the yeah. new Jester Apogee. Yeah, that's the closest thing to that. Here's another like quick thing about Pop-Tarts. And for me, like the, the traditional thing is Mountain Dew and Doritos, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that combination makes sense because it's salty and sweet. But then Rockstar Energy and Pop-Tarts is just like, we heard you like sugar. So we added more sugar to your sugar. Hey, did you want to slowly dissolve your insides? (laughs) Here's some Rockstar Energy and Pop-Tarts. Yeah. So you can get double experience while your intestines fall out of your stomach. (laughs) Wait, no, it's actually, it's perfect because you can have the Pop-Tarts when you wake up. And the rock star never. (laughs) (laughs) In other news, the Destiny PC beta is coming out August 28th for pre-order folks and August 29th for everyone else. This is a big deal for those PC people. I know they've really wanted Destiny to come on PC for so long. God knows why. I mean... Anyways, because some um, <laughs> people think that consoles are dirty and right. they don't want to touch them. Listen, shout out to those PC gamers out there. Hey, you're doing a great job. I hope you enjoy Destiny and I hope it's one less thing for the community to complain about on the long list of things that they constantly yell about for no reason. Yeah. yeah. Um don't forget It'll be on the Battle.net launcher, even though it's the Blizzard app now, but it's still the Battle.net launcher. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, that's good to know. So, And all the feedback that we gave for the console beta actually affected the PC beta. So in the, the TWAB, the This Week at Bungie, they released like a little spark notes of all the things that have changed for the PC beta thanks to the console beta. The biggest one of all has been the super recharge rate. 
every I know everyone had something about the super recharge rate. They fixed yeah. it. So it's really awesome that like our console feedback affected the PC beta. And for the PC folks, give all the feedback that Bungie needs, even if like the entire community has said it 50,000 times, just go ahead and say it because Bungie is always listening. Unless your feedback is, this game sucks, Bungie, why'd you make this? Because that's not really constructive. Yeah, that's not good feedback. That's complaining. Constructive feedback. It's okay to complain, but it's much more constructive if you have something to say like, hey, the game was interesting, wasn't my favorite, maybe these are some things that would make it more fun. Yeah. And then also keep a note, uh, Edge Magazine recently had an interview with Bungie, and they... Bungie told them that the beta did not contain the final implementation of how energy weapons work. And then they go on a little bit more about PvE combat. So this is just something to keep in mind that the beta you're playing is not the final copy. So if something doesn't feel good, give feedback. Like that feedback is good, but just also keep in mind that the game isn't broken. It's not like, oh, this this beta sucks so much that the final product is just going to completely tank and it's not going to be a good game. It's not that. It's They might be purposely holding things back in order to get stuff that they want to get tested. So yeah. it's really good to, to give feedback, but also keep in mind that this isn't the final product that they're going to release. Yeah, because... During the beta, the this week at Bungie said that the beta build was months in the past from what they yeah. have now, so it's pretty obvious. And they did say that a lot of the things that we talked about, like the community, were already changed and already fixed in the final build, or yeah. the final build at that time. Yeah. But still, yep, do provide feedback because everything helps. Which makes me so excited because we're like less than a month away from release date, guys. We're less than a month away. I'm going to die. Was there any other fun news that we wanted to talk about today? There was just an interesting article I read over at Game Rant. It showed up on my phone about Bungie's philosophy against crunch culture. So if mm. you've ever worked in a studio area, in any any kind of area that has a deadline, I think everyone has experienced crunch time where like you're nearing the deadline and everyone hey, stays. Hey, what's up? I'm in crunch right now, actually. I've taken some time out of my day to do this episode, but I am in, I'm currently in crunch. Yeah. Last, last three weeks was crunch over at where I'm working. I'm not affected as much because I'm not full time. So they were like, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, but you guys are stressing me out. So yeah, crunch is not fun because everyone stays over like 50 hours a week or 50 hours plus and then they get no sleep and then that affects your work and then you get stressed and it's just not a fun thing to go through. Bungie has moved away from that crunch culture and they actually force their employees to take vacation days and they they force their employees like, hey, you need to go home like right now. You should go home. I know like and they even say like there are employees that are excited to stay over and they want to stay over because they think that they're going to get stuff done. And they encourage that, but they they don't want you to make it a habit. And I think that's such an awesome thing to have as a philosophy in a company. And I'm glad especially that a game company. Yeah, because crunch exactly. culture is really big and not super great in the gaming community in particular yeah 
Because any time I've read like an interview with someone who was a game developer, they were always just burnt to hell from crunch. Yeah. So. And then another thing I've noticed that. is that sometimes they bring in outside sources just to work on like the crunch time. So they'll hire a whole team and be like, hey, we just need you to work on this one thing to help us with our crunch. And I'm just like, well, that kind of sucks for that person that, you know, wants to work for the company. And they're just like, oh, okay, bye. You don't need me anymore. The game companies, uh, especially over in LA, but really everywhere, definitely have a bit of issue with crunch culture. Oh, yeah. You know, I have friends who work in the gaming industry. I've personally worked on games as well. I remember there was a week when I was an intern when I put in about 80 hours. Oh my God, I remember that. Christ. And I couldn't feel my face anymore. So the fact that they're moving away from this culture, I think really is going to, well, we'll see the results in Destiny 2. But I know that when I'm well rested and uh, have enough to eat and you know all of that stuff the work that I produce is much better so I can only imagine how it's positively impacted the work that's been happening on Destiny 2. Thanks Bungie. (laughs) Thanks Bungie. Thanks for treating your employees right. So so what's this episode? Judging by the cough special guest I don't know. What could it be about? <laughs> it's Titan time. <laughs> there's this class. There's this class in in Destiny. It's called Titians. Yeah, uh, after the Roman Emperor. Yeah, <laughs> and um, Titians punch stuff hard and good. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm I'm a warlock, and I I don't know anything about it. All I know is books. So, Josh, could you please? Could, what what the fuck? So is a Titan. <laughs> Just to give a bit of backstory onto my Destiny career, I started off as a warlock, and because I was alone and I played solo, and warlocks were good at soloing because self-res, but then once (laughs) I met some fine, fine people who may or may not be here, I realized, oh man, these people don't really have too many great team classes like hunters, because hunters at the time, which was House of Wolves, didn't really have any support, and warlocks, (laughs) not too great support either, so the logical conclusion is use the one support class which would be defender so i started playing titan because we started you know doing raids and all that so i basically played titan and mained titan since house of wolves so i'd say that's my expertise in titan yeah you're pretty good at that yeah you're good at that thanks for all those bubbles buddy. oh yeah yeah <laughs> so we've talked about classes briefly uh, in our first episode, we kind of gave a very basic watered down run rundown. Wow, that's a lot of downs that I just said um, about each class. But this episode, we are going to specifically focus on Titans. We're going to talk about what makes Titans Titans. And we're going to talk about within the lore and within the game, some of our favorite Titans or what we think are some really good examples of titans just sort of to set the stage i'd say the like titanist titan like in that the one that we know the most about and the one that most represents titan i'd say would probably be zavala because number one he's titan vanguard you kind of have to be a good titan to be that and two we yeah i guess yeah we know the most about him because he's been the narrator on quite a few missions he's also had that incredible and awesome cinematic of him being born that's a baby little yeah. titan. I guess we could kick it off there and talk about good old Commander Zavala. Yeah, so 
we are fortunate to have an entire cinematic surrounding Zavala. One of my favorite cinematics. I got really emotional the first time I that saw it. That made me tear up. I got emotional like the eighth time I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I watch, I watch it like once a day, whatever, it's fine. It gives me power. <laughs> it does because, well, when we see Commander Zavala, we see him as this ancient, powerful person who always makes i don't know if it's the right choice that he makes but he always makes the hard choices right we can all agree that he's the one who always needs to make the unfavorable choices that no one really wants to make so to see him born and to see him be killed multiple times by these fallen enemies to see him evolve and grow and become this strong figure that we know him as today was honestly a pleasure i'd say my favorite thing about that was comparing his origin to our origin because like we woke up we have a friend there who's all like hey follow us there's a place that you can hang out i'll get your gun everything will be sweet and he's like i have to find a stick yeah Yeah. (laughs) pretty much (laughs) since he was born before the age of the city it was kind of just like this need to migrate towards the traveler which i think is really really interesting kind of being pulled towards the light but another thing just sort of to echo him being a titan is like in all that he always stood and fought he'd like never ran because like i'd anticipate if it was a hunter they would probably like hide and like use (laughs) sneak attacks Orlocks would probably okay. fire crazy space magic, but he like stood and fought, which is mm-hmm. what it means to be a titan. Because the best description of a titan is the defender lore, which is the wall against which the darkness breaks, which is one of my favorite quotes out of all of like the Destiny flavor text because it captures. I it. love that, and I think the fact that titans are so often affiliated with walls and immovable objects speaks volumes about what they participate in and what their function is in the destiny universe yeah on the walls thing like just sort of an aside my one of my favorite iron lord cards is the one about silamar where it's him he builds a tower it gets knocked down by the fallen and he dies and that keeps happening and one day saladin's like why do you keep doing that there's no point and he's like one day it's not gonna fall and then we'll build our city there and it's like oh "Oh, that's that's what it means to be a titan. Did they ever confirm if Silamar was alive or dead? I think he's dead because he's part of the memorial. Oh, so. I was just kind of hoping he was somewhere in the wall and he was just chilling <laughs> in the wall and he was like, yeah, I made a good wall. My wall. Yeah, and then when the Cabal or Siva bust in, he was like, oh, hell no. I, I need to rebuild it. my yeah. wall. Okay, also though, maybe it's because the defense systems were down, but like, the cabal flew over the wall, which in hindsight, (laughs) I was just like... (laughs) Yeah. The wall is, I think, a little more suited for the fallen combatants that threaten our world constantly, the fallen and the hive. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder why there was never a catch that attempted to get in the city, but we're... I think getting a bit off track yeah (laughs) well I think we could talk about that a little bit in some of the battles that our titans have participated in namely the battle of six fronts if you want to talk about that a little bit Josh well frankly there's not too much we know exactly of it we just know Mm -hmm. that like I'm for those who don't know Ishtar Collective is a great resource for looking at (gasps) Grimoire cards what (laughs) ishtarcollective.net For yeah. all your Destiny Grimoire needs. It's We're so not good. sponsored by them, but we'd like to be. 
<laughs> so, yeah, like, there's not honestly a lot about Six Fronts. We know, we guess that the part where Zavala and Shax were fighting in his origin story was Six Fronts. Yeah. So, as you saw, like, it was freaking chaos. There was falling everywhere. There was people running. There was Zavala doing the slammy slams. Yeah, and I guess Lord Shax had some orbs from a previous super or whatever because he like slammed and then he was able to slam again well to be fair that is the new perk in destiny yeah. 2 where you can get multiple slams so maybe he was he pre-ordered he was playing the beta yeah oh okay okay that makes sense yeah but that's exactly what happened i yeah. think even if we based our assumptions on destiny 1 the multiple slam thing i feel like the fact that we only have one is a just pure gameplay mechanic. I feel like if you have sufficient will and resource, meaning light, whatever that feels like slash is, you can do whatever the hell you want, pretty much. So you, yeah. if you're a warlock, you could fire off like three Nova Bombs in a row if you had sufficient will and whatnot. So keep game balance because while, oh, I forget what it's called, the daybreaks are fun, it kind of trivializes the game. Yeah, I think Zavala is also kind of from a time where I don't know if the class system is fully fleshed out, right? We have examples of warlocks and hunters and titans kind of breaking the archetype at this time. So that could also have something to do with it. As training becomes more refined, it it could have changed as well. Another thing I've noticed about titans and Zavala in general, because y'all are talking about Battle of Six Fronts, is that any major battle point a titan was involved in a major way so six fronts it was zavala and then twilight gap i think saint 14 was a pivotal player in that one uh, maybe well shax definitely was but uh shax was, was sure. i'm not seeing much okay about saint- i think no i'm not too sure well he probably had a part in it, but not i'm not i'm not entirely i don't remember which one saint 14 was like a big one and and he was like yeah no this ended the the freaking war i'd imagine there was six fronts it it was probably six fronts considering he had butted a a kel gotcha actually maria's right it was after twilight gap is when he did the big head the big thing yeah yeah that thing that he's very famous for. Yes. Headbutts. And why he has a dent in that beautiful helmet. We're going to get to that. I want to speak to that in detail. <laughs> and then in Mara Imbrium, which is the big moon fiasco, Shax was a big pivotal player in it. Even though he got brushed off, he was still like a major player in it. And that he was like, yo, we should not be involved in this until we learn more about sword logic. And everyone was like, oh, Shax, no. Wow. I feel like Zavala <laughs> probably has a lot of, I don't know if Guardians dream. Well, I guess they do. Regrets. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like he probably has some regrets. But that's wow. the thing about Zavala Politics. is that he's always the one making the very difficult decisions. Yeah. And I feel like we're going to see more about that in Destiny 2. I have a very strong feeling that we're going to explore that in particular in more depth in the second game. Yes, because I kind of get the vibe that since the Vanguard is splitting off, we're going to have more personal stories. So we're going to go into Zavala's life, Zavala's background, I'm why so he ready. feels how he feels, and all that. Because I'd, I'm ready to get in there. The way it sounds from the Razelighter card, which is what Maria was talking about, definitely sounds like he basically said to Shax, my hands are tied because of the government here. But I'm basically, also yeah. hoping that we get into, in Destiny 2, that we get into other notable 
titans and legends in general, one of them being Saint-14, because he was really held in a lofty position before he mysteriously, quote-unquote, died. The people of the city looked up to him. They were like, wow, look at that, cool. They definitely put him on a pedestal to be like, this is what a good guardian looks like. And I think they needed that good public image especially since before guardians were guardians, some of them were warlords and they did not do cool things. No. So they really needed that that really good public image that these risen beings are here to protect us and nothing can kill them and they're badass action figures, trading cards, anything <laughs> good publicity. <laughs> he probably did like those elementary school training videos it's like you should do push-ups because oh, they're good for you shout out to spider-man oh and captain america yeah yes <laughs> saint 14 is an interesting character and i wish we had more information on saint 14 so let's take this opportunity to really make up his entire story yeah <laughs> but what we know about Saint-14 is that he was definitely in the business of headbutting Fallen, mm -hmm. and his most notable kill was when he headbutted Akel, yeah. who died from being headbutted, which is wild. And if you look at his wonderful exotic, the Helm of Saint-14, you can see that there's a pretty notable dent in it, which we can assume is from that specific experience no actually he just uh, dropped it one day yeah he probably just like oh oh fuck i had better to kill with this thing and it dents when i drops it it's like a cell phone right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he also had a very unique relationship with the speaker which i think has something to do with why he's held in such high esteem like he was kind of made a poster child in the grimoire the speaker will always call him like my son and right. he and calls him father. Father. Which, so a, an interesting religious yeah, that's, kind of connotation there. I was going to say some people might draw the fact, oh man, Sate 14 is the speaker's son. Wah. Uh, no. I don't think I don't that's know. how exos work, first off. But yeah, I definitely agree it's religious connotation. Because you see father and son, of course, in heavily in Catholic and Christian religion. So Sate 14, I'd say, is like... I'd say he was driven by an almost zealot-like following of the speaker, as if he yes. was a religious. Yeah. yeah, and granted, because of Destiny 1 and it's not great storytelling, we're not really told what the speaker is slash does. And it could be that the speaker is basically a figurehead of a pseudo-religion in the city, and that St. 14 was for lack of a better term, one of the saints of that religion. Yeah. Yeah. When you see the cinematic with Zavala you actually see like a younger version or a different speaker you know we don't know yeah. how that's passed on but you see him kind of giving a stump speech wearing the same mask so i've always kind of envisioned the speaker to be not necessarily a religious icon but like the traveler is the religious icon and the speaker is like the devout caretaker prophet yeah, so, profit. I'm sort of like, I'm not sure how much y'all know about Christianity and all that, but that's sort of how it is like, God is the big omnipotent thing in the sky, and then the priest is the one who speaks for him, or God speaks yeah. through the priest, which, given the name the, the speaker. speaker, is kind of a clear marking there, yeah. so... 
And then Saint-14 is kind of on the next rung where Saint-14 is kind of dishing out the divine will of the speaker. The holy champion, as it were. Dishing out the divine headbutts. (laughs) I like that view. And I know a lot of people like the take that, oh, because they say father and son, they're actually related. And I'm like, they could be, they could have adopted each other as a family sort of way. So maybe Saint-14 probably views multiple figures as father figures, but he's, the speaker's probably like the only person that he calls father and maybe he just slipped one day and he was like yeah dad i mean speaker what are you talking about you know like that (laughs) awkward moment when you accidentally call someone dad (laughs) so that probably happened one day (laughs) i don't think that's what happened but i wish and then like the speaker started calling him my son you know and the for me like the thing that comes to mind is that hamilton song and then washington calls hamilton's son so i think it's something it could be viewed that way that they've gone through so much and they view each other as kind of like familial kind of way and the reason i'm bringing this up is because when it comes to Osiris, apparently Osiris used to be a part of this whole like bringing up the city thing. And then when Osiris went away and the speaker told him like, hey, Osiris is up to something. The Grimmel card, Saint-14 says that old man is up to something. Like he says it like that old man, like the just the phrase old man. I just think that's a very familial way to reference someone like that crazy Saint old- Saint-14 and Osiris definitely have some kind of previous- Yeah, some history. Saint-14 was actually the one who recommended that Osiris become- a part of the vanguard. Yeah. So like he was so, Osiris was definitely a prominent a figure relationship. Yeah. Cuz yeah, based on all that, Saint 14 probably looked up to and admired him and then like when Osiris dabbled in the dark a bit too much and exiled Saint 14 may still hold some affinity for him be like even though he did wake darkness and go into the vex badness, he's all like he's still good at heart or Granted, since it's text, we don't really know the tone of it, so it could be he's pissed at Osiris. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out. Yeah. When I read it, I always felt it was kind of like tired and exasperated. That's not of... exasperated, really, but like yeah, it's like he's like that old man is about to wake up hell. It's like God. Yeah, he's kind of like he knew this would happen. Yeah, basically, kinda... and it's like okay, it's kind of, it's time to go do the dishes. Yeah, I got that yeah. tone as well. It's like he's not happy about it, but he recognizes it, it needs to be done. So what do we think happened to St. 14? My theory is because Osiris dabbled heavily in the Vex stuff, and since the folks that have been lucky enough to be at the lighthouse have noticed oodles and oodles of Vex tech everywhere, my guess is St. 14 arrived and either Osiris was there or St. 14 got all dibby dabbied in the Vex time stream, so he's like another Praetith almost. He's drinking that Vex milk? Uh, I wouldn't say Ooh. drinking it. He's too pure for that, I'd say. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's hope in, not. In the sense, the humorous pure sense and the sense that he, like, light is his true purpose and his true calling. And since he's fervently religious, as the card sort of implies, he's like, to partake of darkness is probably ultimate sin to him. So no way. But I'd Yeah, I mean, yeah. there could be some... I, I'd imagine that this this relationship would not go on very well with Osiris just to touch upon Osiris a little bit not too much because this is the Titan episode but 
Osiris asked too many questions for people to be comfortable. Basically, he he would constantly be like, hey, how much of our memory is our own when we're woken up? How much is fabricated by the traveler? Can we really trust this thing that's giving us light? Are we really weapons or is there another purpose? And then on top of that, he's exploring the Vex and very curious about it. So there's just kind of a big old mess going on over there that is very polarized to Saint-14 and his steadfast belief in the light and the traveler and the speaker. Osiris is all of us, basically, just questioning everything because yeah. <laughs> we didn't get enough information. Do you think the speaker was that vague to everyone he talked to as he was <laughs> to us? That would drive anyone to, like, all right, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to go to a different planet now. See you later. I think I don't know. I don't want I don't want Saint 14 and Osiris to go head to head. I don't want that kind of thing, especially since Osiris used to be a prominent figure. I think it's I don't health- think Osiris's skull is strong enough for them to go head to head. That too. Wow. <laughs> I think that it's okay to have a healthy amount of doubt or questioning into what you're fighting for because that could strengthen your resolve. Yeah, balance. Just sort of extend that. It sort of goes to a bit of class identity because it's the nature of a warlock to question, to learn. Yes. Whereas it's sort of the nature of a titan to fight. Right. And keep going forward. So their duality there could be because they're of their classes or merely just their personalities. I don't know. Because yeah. we do know of I a, think... another Titan who might have gone a little bit far, but I think we're leaving that for another time. Oh. <laughs> 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 I think, in my opinion, or in my theory, I think Saint-14 is definitely still alive. I think he probably left a final note to the speaker that said, hey, I'm going after Osiris. Or something like that. And the speaker was like, we cannot let anyone know about this. Because maybe the speaker and possibly the vanguard at that time were like, well, we need to make sure that the city backs us 100%. And if we let the city people know that a guardian went rogue, that's not good publicity. Right? Because everything's still kind of fresh-ish. I don't know about timeline at this point. But I just think they're keeping it under wraps. I definitely don't think he's dead. And I definitely do think he went after uh, Osiris in Mercury. And he's somewhere out there. And yeah, I mean, he did. The speaker told him yeah. to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Osiris would not go quietly. He had a cult-like following. And people actually followed him out of the order. So yeah. there's there's a whole big old mess there. But I do hope that Saint 14 is still around. Maybe he's lost in time if we're talking about Vex, which is why there's so little information about him in the first place. Yeah. Which is why I'm excited about Destiny 2, because there's gonna be an Osiris expansion. At least that is what I believe it is, because if you look at the emblems, one of them is the Osiris emblem for the expansion packs. Now, I'm gonna be so mad if it is a purely multiplayer expansion. I don't think Bungie would do that because they have such a huge population of players that play for the lore, for the story. So I just think it would be the worst 
move ever to be like what this if it's is only just a, a crucible expansion yeah. except the difference is that osiris is the person commentating on the matches and he just shit talks you the whole time <laughs> oh my god i still wouldn't be okay with that <laughs> i just want lore i love the lore so much and i want i want campaign and content yeah. and i play campaign so much more than than crucible and i would just be so furious if they just did because there's lore behind the trials yeah. of osiris we're talking about osiris and saint 14 like there's a bunch of lore there so i would be so furious if it was just a crucible expansion or an, a trials expansion that would just make me so mad but it would be great if not only was it trials but it was also like hey Saint 14's back and we're gonna go get him. Yeah. Bum bum bum. Like who knows? Who knows? That would be awesome. In terms of timeline, do we know Saint 14 and Zavala? Like was Zavala Vanguard at this point? Uh we don't really know. Well, the thing was the government in terms of like the Vanguard and all that, we don't really know. We know that assuming the Saint 14 card where he goes after Osiris took place pretty much immediately after Twilight Gap, because that's when he Yeah beat the crap out of that Kel with his head. My question more has to do with the fact that like which Titans started crocheting and then <laughs> spread it as a trend across oh all of the Titans and how did the official crocheting classes <laughs> get set up? That's kind of my deep dark lore question for today. And I my really... follow up does Ava Levante have anything to do with it? Oh <gasps> God. Are you implying that potentially Ava Levante could have been a mentor to Zavala? Yes. <laughs> Which would be... Oh my so, God. So my headcanon is Zavala. He's Vanguard man making the bad decisions no one likes. People are pissed at him. He's getting stressed out. He doesn't know what's going on. Ava Levante's like, Commander Zavala, would you like to crochet? And he's like, what is this? And she's like, relaxing. And then everything happens. <laughs> Yes. Do you think they have like weekly sessions with each other yes. where like Abel well, Levante makes him tea and like Zavala's just like, I'm so tired of these fucking hunters <laughs> jumping on the table and dancing. I don't understand why they all try and commit suicide behind the tower. Why is this happening? And Ava Levante's like, don't yeah. worry. It's okay. Don't worry. Just focus on your stitches. Look at this merino well, wool. <laughs> slightly more lore established like sort of following off that like maybe Eva Levante suggests that as therapy and like he took to it and then he realized oh shit this is good for morale it's good for me maybe it's good for other people because he's a yeah commander. it does make sense so since like, uh Ava did make him a scarf for the <laughs> oh my god the dawning <laughs> as a gift does Saint 14 <laughs> crochet yes uh, well no I don't know kind of hard to see he uses that helmet saint 14 True. uses those jumbo needles does he oh my god <laughs> maybe okay so like zavala zavala specializes in like you know i always think that that um like sweater that he has underneath his plate armor, armor. was something yeah. that he made um so maybe he's like a sweater guy but maybe saint 14 i feel like saint 14 he uses his head maybe he's a little more like jump into the action and go maybe he makes smaller things maybe he crochets like teacup holders <laughs> or like 
ghost cozies. Actually, socks are really difficult to make, so that's not true. (laughs) But maybe he just makes scarves that are very long. Like, he doesn't ever finish a scarf. He just kind of always is working on the same (laughs) one forever. And there's parts of it that are really shitty. There's parts of it that are getting better. Hey, I know exactly how he's going to convince Osiris to stop being crazy. Oh, my God. He's just going to give him a handmade scarf. And he hey. was like, I made this out of friendship and love. Please stop. I made this, I made this out of my tears. My tears. <laughs> he's an exo. He have tears. Oh, my I God. made this out of the eyeball oil <laughs> that are my cool. tears. Uh, that's gross <laughs> oh jeez okay, so I think I'm glad that we addressed that yep. speaking of other things I knew we wanted to address there's a certain <laughs> good boy that <gasps> rode on a certain bike with a certain other someone and okay okay so listen Lord Shax uh, we're gonna talk about Lord Shax Lord Shax is like I feel like the most iconic I mean Zavala is very iconic but Shax is just big everyone has he's bigger than everyone like literally in game he has one of the tallest models of any titan in game he's so big and and like even in the cinematics i don't know if he's standing on a box or whatever but in the d2 cinematics whenever he was announcing the beta and he was like get ready to fight guardians he's just like looking down on all these tiny guardians yeah we know that he's he kind of trained with Lord Saladin. We know that he was an Iron Lord at one point. Really? He still goes by Lord Shax, yeah. He, he does oh. go by Lord. Good point. Um, but I don't think he's stuck with it for very long. We know that Zavala, Shax, and Lord Saladin kind of have oh. some long-term issues. I just had a little, a little brain synapse fire so there's i believe it's scory's card where she's writing a song and like all these people are walking in and then quote unquote the new guy or a young one comes in and is like hey what are you doing we have an ambush tomorrow why are you writing songs and he's like what the hell what the hell i feel like that might be Shax. he's like super on the nose he's all like what the hell are you doing we need to fight and scory's all like f off you little one (laughs) <laughs> One of my favorite um, pieces of lore surrounding Shax, well, there's a lot of lore I love about Shax, but I like a lot of the exotic sword cards that yeah. talk about his need, this, this visceral need to understand swords and the sword logic. In fact, in Destiny 2, we see that he's carrying an exotic sword. That was the the raised lighter yes, did he have? Raise lighter. The raised yeah. lighter. That card, and what was the other card? Boltcaster is the one where he's thinking about how to actually build it. Where he's talking about how to distill and purify it, which is a really interesting thought. I think we've talked about it before. I've always really loved uh, My Name is Bife's theory regarding us kind of taking this dark form and forging it with our light and basically purifying it to become a weapon that we can use and i think that card reinforces that a little bit exactly yeah but lord shax has always been big into swords and i love that because (laughs) he's just a big guy with a big sword and that's goofy as hell 
Like, I love the fact that this game is, like, all about guns, but now we also have swords, and they're also just still very formidable weapons. And the thing is, like, swords are profound and important, because the hive made them. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Do you think, mine's kind of off topic, my bad. Do you think uh, Shax lost his one horn because he tried to do the headbutt thing first, and then St. 14th? Yeah, he couldn't handle it. it. Well, Saint Fourteen okay. saw him do it, and he was like, "I'm a dude. I'm a one up you, bro. I'm a one up you. Hold my beer." So, <laughs> pushes glasses. Lore clarification in the Zavala cinematic, where at six fronts he still does not have that one horn. He's only got one horn in six fronts. So, yes. Yeah. So, Maybe. I mean, we'll never truly. I hope we learn how he loses his horn, but I'm also okay with that being one of the greatest mysteries that Destiny never answers. I <laughs> Can think. that be like a thing to haze kindergartens to be like, hey, you should totally ask Lord Shax how he lost that one horn? And then you he should would just, just look down, glare, and just cuff right across the ear. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, and the then, first thing is you need to walk up to Lord Shax, yeah. which is like scary by itself because he's just so big. After all, Shax <laughs> is the crucible. He is the crucible. He is the epitome of strength and force. And he's so intimidating. I love all of the Grimoire cards he's in purely because of that. Just the presence that he has. Can can we talk about can we talk about the dodgeball cards? I love Rise of Iron because they just released a lot of good grimoire, <laughs> and it wasn't so much lore heavy as in like deep flavor. mystery. It was it was more flavor and more like things to Fleshing humanize out personalities. Yeah, 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 which I loved. Kelly, go ahead and talk about. <laughs> <laughs> These two grimoire cards for Rise of Iron are some of my favorite grimoire cards where Cade Six brings Shax to this dirt field where all these kids are beating each other up and playing with each other. Apparently it's a safe zone where parents bring their kids <laughs> like once a month or whatever to get all of their energy out. And because Lord Shax lost a bet, he needs to basically like hang out and be the guardian Apparently, mm. Cade just has this thing where he always will bring a guardian or someone for these kids to look up to and admire. And this time, Lord Chax was the one who was brought in because oh he lost a bet. And the card is so phenomenal. The two cards are so phenomenal, purely because of the fact that, like, Shax chooses two children and is like what is this game you're playing skirmish supremacy what is it and they're just like dodgeball and he's like we'll work on the name like just to like give a direct quote of one of my favorite things is like yeah. he walks up to the kittens like you what are the rules of engagement it's like <laughs> That's what you say when you're about to start shooting people. <laughs> you don't talk to children that way, Lord Shax. <laughs> what are, what are you even doing? You know what? This just reminds me of that one Vin Diesel movie where he's the babysitter. What was oh, it called? God, I don't pacifier. know, but that sounds scary, but probably <laughs> the pa- accurate. That's a good movie. Okay, I will watch The Pacifier anytime it is on TV. <laughs> it's 20% fine. on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh my god. Um, it's cute. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I just love that card very much because it's like Shaq's talking to civilians. Also something that's really interesting is that one of the civilians calls him Lord Shaq's 
And he corrects them and is like, just Shax is fine. And in the subtext, it's like only guardians should give him respect. So like he he kind of has that little thing there where it's like only guardians should really fear him. (laughs) Well, it's sort of the distinction between military and civilian. Exactly. Civilians don't be like commander, whatever. They're like, you're not part of the military. You don't need to salute me. Sort of like that. Regardless, Shax picks his team, his his two people for dodgeball, and they fucking lose. That's, big time. I take slight issue with that, but I think it it makes sense. They lose big time. He tries his best, but they lose, and then he talks to them. He's like, you will learn from your loss. <laughs> like, it's so good. Now do it again. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just like you're getting flashbacks to Crucible matches when you read this, and you're like, Lord Checks, why are you treating these children like they are part of the great fighting force imbued with light that are the Guardians? Regardless, the most important and controversial piece of this Grimoire card, the, the part that I really want to focus on, is when Cade Six returns. Well, first, Lord Checks gains respect of one of the children and manage, manages them to, uh, get to, to get the kid to throw a dodgeball at Cade Six. And it scares him and it's very good. <laughs> okay. That kid was me. Yeah. It was me. I threw yeah. the dodgeball. Regardless. Yeah. They're all that <laughs> After kid. that, Kate Six goes to like pick up Lord Shax from his play date or whatever. And Shax and Kate Six ride back on the same sparrow. <laughs> so I just want to t- <laughs> I just want to talk about some theories um, about how we think. I just have this incredible mental image of like Cade Six is like, okay, get on. And like Lord Shax like gets on the back of it and the sparrow like Dude. buckles down Whoa. and like hits the ground for a minute with like a very large impact and then like shudders and tries to. So, yeah, to go off that, one of like the green sparrows in the game that you can buy from Holiday. There's yeah. two for warlocks, two for hunters, two for titans, and they all have flavor associated with them. One of the titans ones says that titan sparrows are specially reinforced to actually carry titans in all their armor. So oh, just to give you a sense God. of scale, like they need better sparrows because they're so heavy. And So like, yeah. how did this situation happen? Did you guys ever watch that show called Seconds from Disaster? I haven't. Okay, there was this show called Seconds from Disaster, and it was one of my favorite shows, and I used to watch it all the time, and it was basically, they would choose, like, a natural disaster, or they would choose, like, the Titanic, and they would break down scientifically all of the things that happened before the actual catastrophic event happened. Right. Seconds from Disaster, the things leading up, and so I'd really like an episode of seconds from disaster where (laughs) they break down like all of the structural things that happened to Cade sparrow (laughs) after lord shax gets on it because i bet once they got back Cade had to drag that fucking thing to amanda holiday and be like um can you please please help me (laughs) it's broken now it's on fire it's on fire oh no i know there's a great piece of fan art someone did where they just drew all the different possible positions that Lord Shax and Cade had to be in in order to 
ride the sparrow. We can post that in the description. There's one that speaks to me on a spiritual level, but I know is not canon to Lord Shax because I know when I'm out patrolling with my buddies, I like to jump on the front of their sparrows and dance while they move around very slowly. But I know that's just not (laughs) Lord Shax. Um, Do you think, think do you I know this? It's much better to imagine Lord Shax getting on Cade's sparrow. But do you think part of rubbing salt on the wound Cade was like yo I'm also gonna take your sparrow Lord Shax cause you lost this bet just my sort of theory as to what the bet was like (laughs) it's not really clear but since Cade says don't ever try to outrace my golden guns I kind of guessed that was like his sparrow team or like a sparrow that he had so it was a sparrow race I could totally see Cade having a sparrow racing team. A biker gang? (laughs) A biker gang, yeah. (laughs) They're all a bunch of dweebs. He always has a limber riding I also like imagining Lord Shax literally trying to outrun a bullet, even though I know it doesn't make sense, but it's just so good to see him be like, no, I can fucking outrun that. What are you talking about? totally i could just why would you even think that i couldn't do that i'm fucking lord shacks like yeah he's a titan the fastest class in the game yeah titan (sighs) skating i was in la a couple weeks ago i think time doesn't make sense anymore but i saw these two kids riding a bicycle okay i'm just still thinking about this and so the bicycle if you can imagine there was one kid sitting on the seat right right steering and there was another kid this bicycle on the front had a bar on the front wheel Mm -hmm. where the kid put his feet and then he kind of was gripping onto this uh the steering wheel which was behind him so he was like standing up basically yeah yeah i've seen and so now i'm just kind of thinking of lord shacks just kind of laying on the front part (laughs) of the sparrow just like chilling uh just straight up chilling walking (laughs) Well, Kate drives him. Of the aforementioned fan art, my absolute favorite is definitely the sidecar. The sidecar. Oh, yeah. Kate, like, I want Kate to have a sidecar on a sparrow. He would have a sidecar yeah, because... on on Ikora's sparrow. Oh like, my I, god! If Ikora has a sparrow, she has a sidecar specifically for Kate. I need to go drop Kate off at school now. Yeah. Let's get on my sparrow. Get in the sidecar. Kate, did Zavala pack you Zavala your lunch? Oh, fuck. That's good. But my favorite part of that picture is that, so sparrows are vehicles that operate on anti-grav, meaning they float. The sidecar has a wheel. (laughs) I just love it. It's just so silly to imagine. Someone built it. Amanda Holiday built (laughs) it. Oh, my. With a wheel. With a wheel. (laughs) I'm dying. And and Cade was like, do you think you could, like, make it float? And she just looked at him and was like, this is the best you're going to get with this stupid request that you gave me. I'd like to imagine that Cater specifically requested a wheel just to make it. I feel like Cater would request the wheel. God, but can you imagine it's an anti-grav vehicle and then you're driving at an incredibly fast speed and then you have this stupid wheel that's like making the entire experience really bumpy and terrible. That's the worst idea. Hey, Cade. 
<laughs> That's the worst idea. He's had worse. Yeah, he that has. That's his idea, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my and I God. bet he thinks it looks real cool. Speaking of publicity, I'm going to change the topic. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. We forgot yeah. something about Zavala. Speaking of great publicity images. Yeah. And speaking of great Rise of Iron cards, that one Rise <gasps> of Iron card where Kane was searching the database for stuff, oh, and then he man. was like, Zavala snacks? Zavala vitamins? <laughs> yeah, so we know that oh, there's something God. that requires two-thirds Vanguard approval to view about Zavala vitamins and Zavala action snacks. Yep, Zavala snacks, action snacks, Titan vitamins, edible Zavala. Edible Zavala. Zavala action vitamins and Ed- Vanguard vitamins. So what I like to think is the chewable, or maybe even like gummy bear vitamins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the Flintstone Like the Flintstone ones. vitamins, but like yeah. shaped like Zavala. Oh my god. <laughs> Zavala and Shax, even though he clearly didn't want to be Yeah, Zavala. and the Zavala ones are blueberry flavored. Of course. Vanguard vitamins. Oh my god. Oh my god, and the Shax ones are the shitty orange flavor. Yeah. Oh, god. Ikora is... Cherry. Cherry? Oh, really? That's good. Red. I feel like well, I feel she's like, a berry yeah, flavor. Let's just say that berries. without Cade's permission, he's great. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a oh shout out to God. Vanguard Vitamins. I just want there. I just really want to imagine. This is another missing opportunity for Pop-Tarts. Okay? Yes. Oh, Specific Wait. flavors that are like based off of the Vanguard and Warlock Watermelon. Classes. Yeah. Warlock Watermelon. <laughs> Hang on. Bungie, I got an idea. Mad collab. Pay me for this. Welch's fruit snacks. Yes. Yeah. Zavala action fruit yeah. snacks. Boom. Work on the name a little bit. There you go. <laughs> that is, I mean, surprise, I'm Bungie in disguise. Let's sign a contract. <laughs> Do you think that the city has like a whole line of things that are Vanguard merchandise? Well, like I mean, foods and I really want trading cards to be an actual thing. How many product endorsements do you yeah. think Lord Shax has done without like he didn't want Zero. to, but oh. he like had mm. to. Yeah. Is he on the front uh, of honestly, a cereal box somewhere? I'd say there would be Shax action figures and that's probably it. I really okay. want like, him he would probably be, put his foot down hard. I really want him to be on the front of a cereal box. I know. That's a really good image with his arms crossed. Yeah. And like his quote is like, they're good for you. (laughs) That's it. Oh, God. Hang on. Allow me to use my Photoshop Oh, but then it's going to be like really (laughs) sad if like other guardians were on the on the cereal boxes and then they died. Oh, you know, Kate Six would be all over that shit. Uh, He's he would like, be on so everything. Can I have like every in, type of merch yeah. ever in the world? Like an obnoxious amount to the point where, like, if trading cards existed and kids got Kate, they'd be like, "Fuck!" Like, getting the Kate card is just the worst. It's the throwaway card. And Kate collects all so. of those cards. <laughs> has a collection of Kate cards. <laughs> Sort of to tie it back to Titans, there's a very, very popular Titan that we don't know much about, but we know a little bit about. Phalor, the champion of the Crucible, who was put down by a certain other person. Oh, boy. Ooh. So, 
I just I feel like his story is because so, like the Crucible, like Legends of the Crucible, like people in the city don't hear about like us, our guardian, the one who goes in and kills Atheon. We don't know about yeah. that because like that's we don't want people knowing that there is a god attempting to control <laughs> time, but we do want people to know like this guy is like the best of the best in fighting other people and like because Crucible is kind of like football. It's an entertainment it thing is. for the people of the city. So like big titans like Thalor would probably have some promotion stuff. I think like that, that so. Wei Ning would also be a really good option for for branding opportunities. Oh man. Well, if it weren't so tragic. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why I'm saying that it'd be great if they had these product endorsements, but then when they died, how do you be like, "Ooh, guys, uh, so we got to pull everything." Can we talk yeah, about like... Wei Ning for a little though? Listen, <laughs> can Wei Ning have Rock'em Sock'em robots? <laughs> Brandon? With her and Crota. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can Waning have boxing gloves? Like, you know, those big boxing or like Absolutely. those, you know, those Hulk yeah. hands <laughs> that you can get like that with Waning. Yeah. Um, just to, to touch a little bit about Waning. We don't know too much about Waning, but we do have a lot of quotes from Waning. If I can share that one. That can all be summed up as I'm a punch. Yeah, I'll, sh- I'll, I'll. S- share this specific quote uh, from a piece of armor. And it says, to conserve ammo, we disrupted the enemy command structure with several sharp blows to the skull. Quote by Wei Ning. Yep. Basically, Wei Ning is like the main puncher. Wei Ning just yeah. loves punching everything. And I'm I think punch. that's a pretty great, great Titan. That's a good Titan right yeah, there. Because there's Titans who are tactical geniuses. Like Zavala and Shax. Mm-hmm. Then there's Titans who are good at their job, like Saint Fourteen and a certain Waning. They just are very, good very at good applying at the appropriate amount of killing force. Titans are so good, okay? <laughs> are all Titans like very... good? What? Uh, what? Okay. We all thought that all Titans were good. Dun, dun, dun. I I mean, I'd love to touch upon one of my favorite titans specifically one of my favorite grimoire cards um focusing on reza lazir who i think deserves his own episode oh definitely especially since yeah. it involves my boy involves hive it involves hunters it yeah involves, it's everything I think it's- but i think reza lazir is one of those examples of the mesh between those two archetypes of titan we just talked about right yeah the strategic genius and the the punchy puncher because right. in one of reza lazir's first cards he actually allows himself to die at the hands of the fallen and while those fallen are celebrating and you know hoisting up his body <laughs> and being like yeah we killed him that's when the ghost resurrects and he just destroys everything that's which is rude. <laughs> one of my favorite yep. tactical ideas ever, and it's one of the reasons why I have so much respect for Azulazir, because it's a really interesting technique that I think, like I said, meshes those two those two strategies really well. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like that's sort of a thing, because like as video game players, dying is equal to bad. We don't want to yeah. die, but in the lore world of Destiny, dying isn't that big an issue. So he basically realized dying's not bad. I can use it to my advantage. 
which is taking into account interesting developments in your tactical arsenal is always the mark of like a great tactical person. Yeah. It's also very yeah. parallel to sword logic, isn't it? To die over and over again to become stronger. Yeah. yeah. I would say that say in a sense. I think those ties can run parallel between Guardians and yeah. the Hive, which is why swords can kind of work for Guardians, right? Regardless, that story I just talked about, uh, there's a really amazing piece of fan art that I love so much that is done by Castella Star on Tumblr. And we can put that in the description if you want to take a look at it. I absolutely adore it. And it was my phone background for a while. So thank you. Was there anything else we want to talk about with Tishans? Tishans? I kind of want to talk about um, Kabir or... Kaber or mm. however Cobber, you want to pronounce so, it. We have a confirmation because there was voiceover from Prater yeah. that it is Kabir. It's Kabir. Okay. Honestly, you can say it how you want. Kabir is an interesting titan as well who kind of breaks that archetype. I, mm-hmm. I love stories where... Sorry, I completely interrupted you. No, please. I'm more interested in your thought. I love stories where the hero sacrifices themselves. I hate it because I like stories where everyone lives, right? But I love it because it's such a noble thing to do. A titan thing. So, yeah. yeah, It's it's a very titan thing to do, do, right? So Kabir in the Vaults of Glass, he flattened his ghost so that it could become a shield for other potential guardians to use. And I think that's such a... it breaks my heart, but it's such a noble thing for him to do that. But I'm just like, he, he let other people have a shield. And that's, so good. again, he what being a Titan's all about no is sacrificing yourself for the good of others. Yeah. Because... I always view him a little bit, his his interest with the Vault of Glass always felt very warlock to me. Yeah. And his, his problem solving always felt very warlock to me. So I think... I I love him as a titan just because of that, um, mm-hmm. because he can break that mold so well. I think yeah. in in the end, you may have other thoughts that drive you to do things that people may frown upon, but the end result, the ending, the the very last thing that you do, I think that's very like that solidified him or them being a titan for Kabir. Yeah. He may they he may have shield. thought as. Yeah, they may have thought as a warlock and dragged all these people into the vault of glass and doomed everyone, but in the end, he sacri- they sacrificed themselves and made a shield. And you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. come here, buddy. To make another observation, the Sentinel in Destiny 2, when you use L2 Guard, it could be because Bungie's reusing assets, but I like to believe that it's also lore connect- connotation that... It's the same animation as when you guard with the Aegis. Oh, yes, yeah, it is. You put out the shield in front of you and have a protective wall. So I really could be. I'm curious about the lore. Okay, now of the I'm, Sentinel, I'm curious like. about all the new lore of Destiny Two of how they're going to introduce the new classes. Because I would really freaking hate it if we just popped into Destiny Two and it's like, oh, here's some new classes, guys. I would just absolutely hate that. I have I a want- feeling that might just be what it is. Yeah. I have like this great vision, but it's too much work. Okay. Yeah. 
where we begin Destiny 2 and we have our old powers and we have our old skill trees. That's just too much to build into a game. And then when we lose our light and regain it somehow, inevitably, we don't know how yet, we kind of gain like the that's, light changes yeah for us. that's that's what i always thought like we but that would be heavy and complicated and yeah. difficult to execute gameplay wise regardless but titans i think evolve in a really interesting way into destiny 2 right yeah because now they always have a shield they always have a barrier whenever yeah and i think that's i mean not whenever but i think that's a really good just development because it reinforces that they are always the wall yeah sentinel now is offensive because before like defender was purely defensive Mm -hmm. you couldn't do much offense with it now i feel like again if they explained it in lore it's kind of that we learned from the taken because the taken knight card it talks about how they conjured up the wall but they were compromising their sword logic ability like inherently because they were hanging back and not killing yeah. they were compromising what it meant to be part of the hive so mm. the taken knights were given the power of fire to be offensive and attack yeah and i feel like we learned from them that we can't just defend all the time we have to fight back in the beta i did play as a titan a lot more than a hunter and it's because i had a lot of fun being that support for my teammates the sentinel class is just so good it's so diverse it's so diverse in what you can do you can still pop a bubble which is great and then as a shield you can either throw the shield or have like a tiny portable shield and i remember playing with my brother and he figured out how to do the tiny shield and i was like being a hunter behind him And he was like walking slowly towards a horde of enemies and I was just shooting from behind. And it was so cool that we did that. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So for sure in Destiny 2, I am going to play as all three classes a lot more. But I had the most fun playing as a Titan. It was just a lot of fun. I really liked it. And I kind of wish I played more as a titan during destiny one because as a clan in our raids we definitely depended on titans a lot especially when we were like all right who's got a bubble you know yeah and i felt bad vault of glass and crota it was practically essential yeah some parts yeah i love playing support i don't know why i mean a hunter if i love playing support i know night stalker gave us that support but yeah and they became arguably the strongest support in the game (laughs) I think we've talked a lot about Titans now. Yeah. Like, so much. I'm really excited about Destiny 2 and all the good, good Titan stuff that we're going to get. And also, I know they haven't exactly shown it, but I remember someone screen capped it. Hammer Bros do still exist. So I'm really curious on how they've evolved the Taken King subclasses. Hang on. So we... Remember, we talked about how one of the logos for the DLC was the Osiris logo. Right. And Osiris is on Mercury, and not sure if y'all did the Titan quest to unlock Sunbreaker, but it took yeah. place on Mercury because oh. there was a sect of Titans, the Sunbreakers, that were on Mercury. So it could be that there's involvement with the Sunbreakers on Mercury in that DLC. Sure oh or we so. just see them in action again. Really that would be so, so cool. That would be great if Osiris was like, hey, yo, I hired these guys to try and slow you guys down, so peace out. 
suit, and then we have to fight the Sunbreakers. <laughs> All right, so I'm right, imagining everyone... this cool formation, right? Osiris, cool warlock, standing on top. Think of like a uh, the Backstreet Boys, like <laughs> yeah. they're they're on the surface of Mercury, right? Yeah. And there's like a big old sun behind them, and there's like Osiris, and then like the Sunbreakers with their hammers are like doing cool poses behind. <laughs> And that's going to be the cover for that DLC. You're welcome, Bungie. Yeah, and then, of course, when they do pull out their hammers, everyone in your fire team yells hammer and starts scattering. Yeah. Also, one final I'd like to give a farewell, even though it's been a year or two since that awesome glitch where you could have 30 hammers firing at once. I just, remember, Thanks, I just remember whenever you activated it and hearing the furious clicking from oh, our end. And I was like, what are you doing? And you were just spamming those hammers. Rest in peace, hammer glitch. But also, thank you very much for dying. I think I think we did it, but we have some some general like announcements, Maria, if you want to take those. Hey, so thanks for making it this far. Thanks for listening. A couple things before we officially close. We have a couple of charity streams that are going to open up now that Destiny 2 is coming around. One big one is Rise of Hope 2, which is a 24-hour stream on September 6, and it's a call to arms for all Guardians to play Destiny 2 for 24 hours for their choice of charity. And if you're really if you really do want to do a stream and support your charity of choice, you can contact Twitter user at game underscore four, the number four underscore charity. And their organization will help set up fundraising pages, advertising, and chatbots, and anything else you need in order to run your own charity stream. That's and really they're nice. really stressing, like, it doesn't matter if you have a large following or not. They actually prefer it if you don't really have a large following, because they really want to help anyone and everyone get their own charity stream going. So I think that's a really cool thing to do if you want to do a stream for destiny 2 when it comes out my internet connection is not great one day when i live in my own household i am curious to do that and i'll definitely reach out to them since they're offering this help so that's something you can do the next one is that the dames of destiny everyone knows that october is breast cancer awareness month so the dames of destiny are doing a breast cancer awareness stream on october 20th through the 22nd and they're even allowing content creators to join in on this stream and also uh, set up streams so that you can also help run this charity for breast cancer awareness. Lots of good things. And a quick thanks to all our new followers on Twitter. We got a bunch of new followers. I'm not going to list them all out, but I just want to give a big thank you from the bottom of my heart. I hope you guys stick around. I know a lot of you started following because we have a giveaway going on. Kelly, do you want to talk about that? I do. I accidentally ordered two Destiny coloring books. Okay. And let me tell you, they're really, really beautiful, but I have no idea how I accidentally ordered two, but I figured instead of hoarding them like a coloring book dragon, Ahamkara, I could give one away. So all you have to do is follow our Twitter at Hangar Lounge and retweet 
the pinned video that's at the top of our feed right now. And that automatically enters you into the giveaway. I will send you the coloring book if you're chosen. You know, it's going to be a random draw. The deadline is September 6th and it doesn't matter where you live. I will send it wherever. You'll get your sweet coloring book and you can color all of the pictures in. All of them. There's a Gallahorn in there so you can make your Gallahorn whatever color you want. What's our Twitter handle? At Hangar Lounge. Follow us there, folks. I'm somewhat active on it, so I do my best. (laughs) If you listen to us on iTunes, it's a really great thing if you rate and review us. A big shout out to Avoided Line 5, who left a very sweet review for us. Thanks, Avoided. What a sweet boy. What a good guy. Thanks for not avoiding to make a review. (laughs) And also, you can also contact us through our website, thehangerloungepodcast.com. And Twitter user at Aetheris or Aetheris. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Sorry, bud. Uh, they all, they <laughs> dropped a message recently and left a really kind review for us, to- telling us what we li- what they liked about our podcast, and they even left possible suggestions for next episode. So we might come in contact with them and ask them, like, hey, like input. What is it about this lore that you want to talk about? So that'd be really cool. Like, we want to interact. Reaching out to us, we'll contact you back. We'll talk. We'll yeah. do the thing. You talk to our so. people, and we'll talk to your your person. And So thank you so much for leaving reviews, for following us, and for contacting us through our website. We love yeah, you guys. So much. Yep. Smash that like button. <laughs> Smash <laughs> it. Follow us on Zanga. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so thanks yeah, so I much think- for listening. <laughs> perfect i think we really nailed it yep um yeah thanks a lot for listening to the hangar lounge we'll see you later thanks so much (laughs) oh and thanks so much to josh for being our titan guest oh my god yeah hey josh thank you yeah you know it's it's fine (laughs) i'm just just like every titan, I stand at the back of the Oh, no. no one knows oh, how no. Bad it is okay, we're going to go put you back in your box now and get Eric back. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to go res Eric. Nice All right. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>